Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, the Denver Nuggets podcast for the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports, collegiate, high school, or professional. Whatever you're looking for is on MileHighSports.com. This show is being brought to you by Untuck It, which we will talk about more in a little bit. But before we go any further, I got to give some love to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast, as well as Terrip and Care Station, who you will hear more about later on in the show as well. If you guys don't already know, the Nuggets just won over, uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies for their fifth win on the road in six attempts. They are uh, they are they won one thirty one to one fourteen, and the Nuggets now have their best road start in franchise history, going five and one. So that's all very good things. A lot about this game was very very good, and I'm going to get into all of it. I want to talk about why this was the most convincing win of the year and the most well rounded game the Nuggets have played. We'll talk about the offense looking right. We'll talk about the defense being opportunistic, if not, um, you know, a little inconsistent throughout the game, but still opportunistic. The Nuggets were scoring in the paint. They were getting out on the break. They weren't turning the ball over too much. They had just a ridiculous second quarter in this game that really blew everything open. We'll talk about how the Nuggets came out of halftime with the intent of ending this game. We'll talk about the team effort overall. We'll talk about the Nuggets bench play. We'll talk about Jamal Murray's incredible game. Jamal Murray had 39 points in three quarters tonight. We'll talk about Nikola Jokic looking great as well. His stat line may not look incredible, but Nikola Jokic himself was masterful in this game as well. In addition to the fact that Malik Beasley did not play, we'll talk about the Nuggets bench play, and we'll talk about Michael Porter Jr.'s play, in addition to what Juancho Hernan Gomez has brought to the table. Then, after that, that second break, we will come back, and as usual, I will answer questions from listeners and Nuggets fans alike, trying to just you know provide a better perspective on what has happened that maybe I have overlooked. Um, what I'm going to start doing as well to finish out the show is looking ahead at what the Nuggets have coming and kind of giving a little bit of a projection as to what I feel is coming for the games that are ahead. So a very jam-packed show tonight. There is going to be a lot to talk about. Um, I already have written my three takeaways from this Nuggets game, and by the time you're listening to this, there's probably already an article up on the Nuggets rotations changes that Michael Malone has made. Uh, most importantly, the disclusion of Torrey Craig as well as Malik Beasley and how Wancho Hernan Gomez and Michael Porter Jr. has stepped into their uh, shoes, as well as a film study on Michael Porter Jr.'s improving defense. So tons of stuff to read and talk about. Um, make sure you go read those articles either before or after you listen to this podcast. And one last thing before we take our first break, I wanted to say thank you to everybody because there's been a whole lot more of people leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. People are sharing the show quite a bit. I'm getting a ton of good feedback. So thank you guys so much for being such an important part of this show and helping me develop it into what it is today. So with that being said, let's take a first break and I will give you a quick word from Untuck It before diving into all the shenanigans from the Nuggets 131 to 114 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. In 
case you somehow haven't already heard from all of the Christmas music and everybody that cannot stop talking about it, the holidays are almost here. And you know what that means, gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size, so he can look casual and sharp. So this is the thing. If you're anything like me, you're short, you're stubby, it's hard to find the perfect shirt that fits. That's why Untuck It is so great. They have more than 50 plus fit combinations. Um, their Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. That's what makes it so great, is that you can be comfortable in a perfectly fitted shirt. You can also find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. You can choose from styles you like, like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and so much more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, or too long again. And their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted just to helping you find the right fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use the promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code blue for 20% off at checkout. Let's talk about this game. So, in my opinion, there were quite a few takeaways to come away with, but I, don't, I think there's no bigger takeaway in the macro scale of things than just how convincing of a win and how much like the Nuggets this team finally looked. For so much of this season, this Nuggets team has not looked like the team that anybody expected. This looked like a team that had a lot of new pieces, they were still trying to find their way throughout everything. They looked dysfunctional, they looked like a team that had not gained a rhythm and had not really been able to understand what each person was going to bring to the table and who to really play through. There was no pecking order. Nikola Jokic was just kind of off on his own island of not really there mentally. Jamal Murray was trying to find his feet as a leader. Will Barton in and out of the lineup despite how good he has been. Gary Harris was trying to figure out how to become an offensively versatile player like he once was. So things just weren't quite there. The bench unit was struggling. This and that and this and that. All of those things got put to rest tonight against the Grizzlies in one fantastic performance. So again, the Nuggets, the way that the Nuggets were able to have this win was so important. And, and I think the most important part of this well-rounded, as we get a little bit more deep detailed into what I'm talking about, let's just start with the offense. Because the Nuggets offense has been the most dysfunctional part of their season. They have won games because they've defended. They have not won games, very often at least, where they have scored lots and lots of points. This has been a team that has been able to win on the back of their ability to get stops, and not on their ability to score buckets, but that was not the point tonight. The Nuggets were able to finally start scoring in the paint. They have not been able to do this for most of the season. They have really struggled going to the rim, but tonight the Nuggets had 50 points in the paint and because of those 50 points in the paint all of a sudden the Memphis Grizzlies defenders had to actually stunt down and slow this Nuggets just 
relentless attack to the rim, which then opened up the three-point line for everybody to be able to finally get a rhythm shooting from three. The Nuggets were 18 of 32 in this game from the three-point line, shooting 56.2%, which was just an incredible performance from them. So that alone, that half-court ability of being able to score in the paint, get downhill, and be assertive, while then opening up the rest of the floor to get three-pointers for the rest of the team, that was huge for this Nuggets team. It's something that they had not been able to do much of. As everybody, I'm sure, has realized, the Nuggets have been taking an incredible amount of floaters and mid-range shots this year, and what that has done is, if you're defending the Nuggets, you're just going to completely smother the three-point line, you're going to fight over screens to force mid-range looks, and you're going to drop your bigs to be able to protect the paint. So with that happening... The Nuggets have just elected to take the mid-range shots that the defense was actively trying to get them to shoot. And because of that, there wasn't the spacing the Nuggets needed. They weren't able to kick out to uh, three-point shooters because they weren't actually breaking down the defense. There was no advantage being created. But now, with the Nuggets going downhill as aggressively as they did tonight, they started to create those advantages. They started drawing a second defender, which had somebody open on the perimeter. So when the Nuggets finally started swinging the ball, they were actually getting it to an open shooter who in turn finally made their shots and it seems so simple but that's a big part of what the Nuggets need to do for their offense to be at their best they need to get downhill they need to be intentive they need to have when I say intentive what I mean is when they drive they're not looking for their options they're not going to be like all right if they drop I'm gonna hit a floater if it's this or that they just need to have the mindset of I'm going to get downhill I am going to attract that second defender and I'm either going to score at the rim or I'm going to kick it out to the open shooter and that's the end of the thought process yes things may not always go that way but it has to be the pre-required notion in your brain of i am going to get to the rim and create an advantage by being aggressive the nuggets have not done that this year they absolutely did it in this game um, on, on top of that, by the way, despite the fact that they were so aggressive, they only had 12 turnovers, and that's considering that they had six of those turnovers in the fourth quarter in garbage time. They had five turnovers at half, only had one in the third quarter, and then six of them in the fourth quarter during garbage time. So despite their aggression, they weren't turning the ball over. The other part about their half-court offense that was so important, I thought, and this does play into their ability to play in transition tonight as well, but they had 36 assists on 48 made baskets. These passes were not just passing the ball to pass it, as the Nuggets have done so much. Like I said before, just you know, swinging the ball side to side and not actually being aggressive and creating a mismatch or an advantage. So the fact that the Nuggets passes were actually leading to assists says that they were more aggressive and played with more intent in their game. So to be able to have 36 assists on 48 made shots is a big deal for this Nuggets team. That's also a season high in assists for them, 36 assists. So the ball was moving well, like they were creating those advantages and they were playing with intent, but it wasn't just the half court. The Nuggets were able to really get out and transition in this game. 25 points off of 16 Grizzly turnovers. They had 29 fast break points, and a big reason why was because they had 10 steals and 10 blocks in this game. Their 10 steals were the second highest mark of the season, and their 10 blocks were the third highest mark of the season. For them to get 20 steals and blocks combined was big, and it was the second most disruptive they have been been this year in terms of how many steals and blocks they were able to accumulate. So the fact that Denver was not only creating those, um, 
or just being disruptive defensively, but they were actively turning them into points. To force 16 turnovers and to get 25 points off of those turnovers is just a ridiculous number for the Nuggets to hit, and it's a really impressive number. So not only was the Nuggets' half-court offense great, they were also great in transition and in terms of picking up the pace. Uh, the other big thing that the Nuggets have not been able to do much of this year was they finally got an inspired play from their bench unit. Overall in this game, their Nuggets bench unit actually got outscored a little bit, but again, that comes down to the garbage time in the fourth quarter. When you take the first three quarters, the Nuggets bench unit outplayed the reserves of Memphis by quite a bit, and it gave the Nuggets the boost they needed to be able to win this game. And also, that second quarter, which I will talk about here in a little bit, where they won 44-17, to a lot of those minutes came with the bench unit. The Nuggets bench had 46 points, shot 22 of 34 from the field, hit 7 of their 10 three-pointers, and were just great. And a big reason why their bench unit has gotten better recently, in my opinion, is that First of all, Torrey Craig is not a part of the rotation anymore. It looks like Juancho Hernan Gomez has taken over that backup small forward role. So while it sucks for Torrey Craig, and it's not an indictment on how bad of a Torrey, how bad of a player Torrey Craig is, because he's not. He is a helpful player in the correct cir- circumstances. But the Nuggets bench unit does not need more defensive versatility. They need shot making. They need off ball movement. They need somebody who can bend the defense without having the ball in their hand. And Juancho Hernan Gomez is fantastic. At that. His timing on his cuts, his ability to relocate on the three-point line to find the soft spot in the defense, his quick trigger release on his shot, those are such important qualities that the Nuggets have not had. So the fact that they got his off-ball movement, his three-point shooting, his cutting, and the fact that he was just never in the way, it just added such a different dimension than than what they had with Torrey Craig on the floor. Additionally, the Nuggets, um, they did not play Malik Beasley again. If you go to Mile High Sports.com, I have an article up about this already, but Michael Porter Jr. played shooting guard for Malik Beasley for the second game in a row, despite the fact that Malik Beasley was not on the injury report and active to play. And this is a very interesting development because... On one end, Malik Beasley has proven that he is a guy that the Nuggets need in their rotation. He got most improved player votes and six man of the year votes last year. So clearly, he is a very talented player, and you would think that the best version of the Nuggets would include him in the rotation. Well... While maybe there's a circumstance that he is still sick, um, it does seem like right now Malik Beasley is not in the rotation. And this is the thing, before being sick, Malik Beasley was not good. He's shooting like 38% from the field. He has been a disaster defensively. And while he is hitting 41% of his threes or whatever, he's only getting like three attempts off per game. So he isn't doing enough to validate his spot in the rotation right now, especially considering he's coming off an, an illness and especially considering that the Nuggets need to play Michael Porter Jr., who has been good, or he has shown growth in his time on the floor. He did not hit shots in this game. He was 0-4 from the field in this game, but two assists, three rebounds, two blocks. Um, I believe he, okay, he did have two turnovers, but they were in garbage time, but a plus 13 and 13 minutes in this game. The Nuggets need to find a way to include Michael Porter Jr., and unfortunately, that has come at the expense of Malik Beasley's minutes. I did think 
think Michael Porter Jr. was much better on defense. And again, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday morning, there's probably already an article up on Mile High Sports showing the film of Michael Porter's defensive growth. And it and he did play much better defensively. So I found it very interesting that Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig are out of the Nuggets rotation seemingly right now. And Wancho Hernan Gomez and Michael Porter Jr. are in it. With the addition of those two, you have... Just as much shot making, if not more shot making, than you will than you would with Malik Beasley and Tory Craig out there. You have more length than you would because you have Michael Porter Jr. at six foot ten playing shooting guard with a seven foot wingspan, and Watcher Hernan Gomez at six foot nine with a seven plus foot wingspan playing small forward with Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. So the length, the versatility, the shot making, the offensive versatility, and the ability to switch is all still there. And I think that's the most important thing is that the Nuggets aren't really losing a whole lot to. Defensively, without Tory Craig in this lineup, and they're not losing a whole lot shooting-wise from not having Malik Beasley in there. So those two things are very, very notable, and I do think that right now Malik Beasley and Tory Craig might be out of Malone's rotation entirely. Let's move on to the defense, because I've been very, very long-winded already. The Nuggets' defense was inconsistent in this game. They gave up over 30 points in three of the four quarters, only gave up 17 points in the second quarter, but I think what's most important to note about this defensive game was that they were opportunistic. They may have not been consistent, they may have not just locked teams down, but they found the right times to get stops and to make runs to put the Grizzlies away. So, I think that's an important part of this. The Nuggets really struggled in the first quarter and the fourth quarter, gave up 32 points and 34 points respectively, but beyond that, they were pretty good. They ended up outscoring the Grizzlies in the second and third quarter like 80 to 48, and a big part of that was their defense. So when you look at what the Nuggets were able to do defensively in this game, they didn't lock them up for 48 minutes, but 25 points off of 16 Grizzlies turnovers, 29 fast break points, which were largely started by their defense, 10 steals and 10 blocks. That's a good game. And it's what allowed the Nuggets to win. And if you take out the disaster, that was the fourth quarter defensively, the Nuggets were even better in this game than the numbers show. So I think that's an important thing. And this is the other big part of this. The Nuggets don't need to lock teams down for 48 minutes. If they're they're going to be able to be at least 70% operational as an offensive unit. That's just the clear fact of the matter. Yes, they've won games by locking teams down so far in this season, but the Nuggets have not looked like they have been having fun. Their offense has been dysfunctional, and there have been a lot more concerns surrounding the team. If they can play offense even remotely like they did tonight, and they can play opportunistic defense, they're going to find a way to get these 17-point wins anyway. So I do think the best version of this Nuggets team is opportunistic defensively, not a 48-minute lockdown team with a whole lot of offense, and we'll see if they actually get there. Again, I want to quickly just talk about how ridiculous that second quarter was because the Nuggets, man, like they absolutely annihilated. They, they blow this game open in the second quarter. Coming into this game or into the into the second quarter, the Nuggets were down 32 to 28. They then proceeded to outscore the Memphis Grizzlies 44 to 17. The Nuggets shot 17 of 26 from the field, hit five of their seven threes, had 12 assists, six steals, and four blocks just in the second quarter. They held Memphis to five of 19 shooting, which led to their 17 points. They missed all five of their three point attempts and only 
had one assist against six turnovers. Just a dominating second quarter from the Nuggets. And then in the third quarter, they won it 36 to 31 to put the nail in the coffin. I know that that's not a huge win of the third quarter, 36 to 31. It's nothing like the 44 to 17 quarter they had. But what was so important about that was that the Nuggets blew the game open in the second quarter, went to halftime, and the starters returned for the third quarter with the intent of ending the game right then. And that is what they did. Between the second and third quarter, the Nuggets outscored the Grizzlies 80 to 48, and that was it. And the bench was really the unit that got the Nuggets to blow them out in the second quarter, and it was the starters that returned aggressively in the third quarter to put the game away. That is a recipe for success for the Nuggets. Overwhelm teams with your bench, and then have the starters come in to just put them away in the third quarter. And if you do that, the Nuggets are going to have games like this where it's basically garbage time for the entire fourth quarter, and they get to rest a lot of their guys. So that's a really important development, and hopefully the Nuggets can keep doing that. All right, I only have a couple more things to get to. I'm going to talk about the Nuggets team effort, Jamal Murray's incredible game, Nikola Jokic's great play, and and Wancho Hernan Gomez's energy. Real quick, I'm going to try and speed through this, get through this next break, and then we'll answer questions from listeners. Um, the reason I want to talk about it as a team effort situation for this Nuggets win was, yeah, Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap basically carried all the scoring load. I'm fully aware of that, but it needs to be noted that Nikola Jokic's passing was a big reason why Millsap and Jamal Murray were able to get the looks they got. Will Barton and Gary Harris being willing to move the ball was a big reason the Nuggets' offense was so functional. They weren't trying to get theirs. They were letting everybody else eat to be able to keep the offense moving. The bench play as a whole was great on both ends of the floor, and like I said before, they were opportunistic defensively. This was a team effort win, despite Jamal Murray having 39 points and Paul Millsap having 30 or 25 or whatever he had. While those numbers individually are incredible, this was a team win by the Nuggets. And let's talk about Jamal Murray's game real quick, because the fact that it has taken 20 minutes for me to even get to this point is insane. So let's just dive into his numbers real quick and just paint the picture for what he was able to do. Only played three quarters, played 31 minutes in this game. He had 39 points, four rebounds, eight assists, zero turnovers, three steals, one block, hit 14 of his 24 shots, hit 7 of his 12 three-point attempts, all 4 of his free throws, and was a plus 23 in this game. The stat line is indicative of how dominant Jamal Murray was. He was great. But the most important part of Jamal Murray's game was the fact that he was shot ready all night. If you've listened to this podcast for the since the season has started, you have heard me yell and be frustrated with the fact that Jamal Murray will get the ball, not be shot ready when he should have taken a shot, which leads to him taking a bad shot that he shouldn't have shot in the first place. And that was really the crux of what frustrated me with Jamal Murray so much. This game that he had against the Grizzlies was exactly the type of performance that I have been waiting to see from Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray was shot ready at every single second that he was on the court. Whether he was coming off of screens and dribble handoffs and defenders went under the screen and he decided to pull up, he was ready. If he was in transition spotting up in the corner, he was ready. If he was playing pick and roll with players and a guard went, and the opposing guard went under the screen, he was ready to pull up. If he was coming off of a screen off ball, the second he curled off of that screen, he was ready to jump stop or pull up and hit that three-pointer. He was just ready in this game from start to finish. And then after the game, which I found very notable, Michael Malone says that he actually spoke to Jamal Murray prior to the game about his shot selection. So 
it seems that maybe I wasn't entirely off base on this and that this, a lot of Jamal Murray's issues have come down to shot preparation. Not that he can't hit them. The fact that Jamal Murray took 25% of his total three-pointers tonight is not indicative of his ability as a three-point shooter. It was more about him not being ready to shoot them. And the fact that he came into this game ready to shoot these shots allowed him to take 12 of them and nail seven of them. That was huge for the Nuggets. He seemed automatic over and over again and even more promising than that which in my opinion that was the most promising thing but to add on to it and to roll it into something else Jamal Murray had eight assists and only and zero turnovers he had three steals and a block so to be the defender the creator the mistake-free player and that level of an of, of a score for this Nuggets it was just massive and he was so so good same thing can be said for Nikola Jokic in a very different way Nikola Jokic straight up did not have a game that you would think was good nine points five rebounds eight assists four of seven shooters shooting one of three from three, had two turnovers, but happened to be a plus 22 in 26 minutes of action. His passing was superb tonight. He was just absolutely incredible as a passer tonight. He was engaged. He was defending. He was keeping the ball moving. He was the fulcrum of the Nuggets offense, despite the fact that he only had nine, five, and eight. I could not care less about his shot total. I could not care less about how many points he had. I could not care less about the rebounding numbers. Nikola Jokic was great tonight regardless of what the stats say and he was a big reason why the rest of his team was so good last thing about this game and it and it's honestly probably the most important in terms of this Nuggets win as a whole and it was the fact that Wancho Hernan Gomez in his first 14 minutes of the first half was outstanding he was a big reason why the Nuggets had that 44 to 17 run he was defending he was hitting threes he was a great cutter he got a pass from uh, Michael Porter Jr. that he finished up the rim for an and one he was everywhere and his energy is so important to this Nuggets team one it's just He's just this endless well of positivity at all times. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, Will Barton, all of these guys have spoken about Wancho Hernan Gomez's ability to be a great teammate and his infectious energy. And you saw that energy not only in terms of his leadership and off-the-court stuff, but on the court, how important it can be as well. It does seem like he has locked up this start, this backup small forward position. It seems like Torrey Craig is out of the rotation for now, and good for Wancho for earning those minutes and staying ready. We're going to take our first or our second break, and I'm going to come back, and we're going to answer some questions from listeners. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a scene retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. 
by far the most well-rounded victory that the Nuggets have had this entire season so far. And it was something that was really important to see because this Nuggets team has felt entirely dysfunctional. So to see him finally become, or see this Nuggets team finally play like this, like they, like they should be, and to see them just kind of let go and get back to just having fun again is such an important development. They needed a happy, easy go, um, you know, just simple win where they just run away with the game and everyone's all smiles and they got that. So with that being said, let's answer some questions from listeners of the show and Nuggets fans alike to kind of get in a little bit of a different perspective to this show. As you guys probably know, and if you and if you happen to not know, you can send in questions to me on Twitter. I'm I'm trying to remember to do it more on Instagram and I'm bad about it. Um, but definitely keep sending those questions on Twitter. Follow me at TJ McBride NBA to be able to send them in. Um, I would not recommend putting me on notifications because I tweet way too damn much. But if you pay attention after the Nuggets games, I usually put out a tweet just asking for Nuggets questions. And this is why. So let's just dive into it. Rick B asks anything to make out of Gary Harris only playing nine minutes in the first half. I don't think that this is, has anything to do with Gary Harris. I think what it was was the Nuggets bench unit in that second quarter was outstanding with Michael Porter Jr. at the two and Wanjo Hernan Gomez at the three. Um, Gary Harris then played like 12 minutes in the second half, but none of the starters really played the fourth quarter. So overall, Gary Harris getting 21 minutes in this game, it was just purely because the bench was so good in the second quarter and the game was so out of hand in the fourth. So I don't look into this game too, or look into Gary Harris's numbers too much. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, with that being said, though, it would be nice to see Gary Harris kind of break out of his slump and kind of get back to being the versatile offensive player that he once was. Doris Burke, the GOAT, asks on from Twitter, um, is Malik Beasley actually out of the rotation? So I did reach out to a source um, with the Nuggets kind of asking about this, and what I was told is that Malik Beasley was really sick. So there is a situation in which Malik Beasley could just be slowly getting worked into the game because he was so sick. With that being said, the Nuggets have had such a boost from their bench unit when they've been able to play Michael Porter Jr. at the two and Walter Hearn and Gomez at the three that it's going to be tough to get Malik Beasley back into this rotation. Um, building off of that, you have to wonder if Malik Beasley is kind of already going to be out of the Nuggets' mind for the long-term perspective because I don't know if the Nuggets will be able to afford him. I highly doubt the Nuggets will be able to afford Malik Beasley in restricted free agency. So maybe the Nuggets are kind of moving on because they know they're not going to have him. Maybe he is sick. I don't know for sure. But again, from what I've been told, it seems like Malik Beasley is too talented to be out of the rotation, and he could be recovering from his sickness, which is why he hasn't been playing. But again, I find it very, very notable. This is back-to-back games where he was not on the injury report and active to play in which he did not play at all unless it was garbage time. So I think he's probably out of the rotation as of right now, but that could definitely change quite a bit. Uh, Jake Cookman on Twitter asks, do you think Michael Porter Jr. and Wancho Hernan Gomez are now a part of the rotation? So if Malik Beasley is out of the rotation, then yes, Michael Porter Jr. and Wancho are now a part of the rotation. Where things get very dicey is, let's say Malik Beasley does return to the rotation and Wancho Hernan Gomez is holding down that starting small forward, or that backup small forward role. Where does that leave Michael Porter Jr.? Malone, prior to Beasley's injury, opened up his uh, rotation to 11 guys and would get about a five-minute stretch at least in the first half for Michael Porter Jr. So maybe Malone goes back to that kind of circumstance to where he's just carving out at least five minutes a game for him, but 
if Malik does come back, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. But if Malik Beasley is out of the rotation, this is it. Michael Porter Jr. and Wancho are going to be two very important parts to that bench unit. Storm666 on Twitter, on Twitter asks, Do you think Jokic's strange play is over now? This is so hard to say because how do you quantify what makes Nikola Jokic kind of go in and out of this mental ambiguity, you know, struggles that he has with the game of, uh, with the NBA game? I have no idea how to quantify that. So while I want to say yes, he has broken out of that slump and is good now, I don't think it's I, I don't think that it's fair to say that because we just don't know. Nikola Jokic is one of the most unique players in the NBA and mentally he is as different than anybody that I've covered. So I don't know. I don't have a grasp on how Nikola Jokic thinks. I don't have a good idea about it. So while I want to say yes, Nikola Jokic is absolutely having more fun and Nikola Jokic has looked better. And despite his numbers, I thought he was great tonight. He could absolutely lay an egg next game against Houston at home. I really don't know, but I am leaning towards the side of yes, Nikola Jokic is back, but I'm still not hundred percent there yet. Last question. Dilfi on Twitter asked, why was Malone unhappy with Michael Porter Jr. and not let him finish the game? Michael Porter Jr. got very lackadaisical in garbage time, as most players do, and Michael Malone wants Michael Porter Jr. to learn how to play winning basketball. It doesn't matter what the score is, what the time is, what's going on in the game. He wants Michael Porter Jr. to play winning basketball like he did in the first half. He did not do that in the second half, and Malone made a point of it, which I think is entirely fair. So that's what I saw from it. Again, thank you guys for sending in questions. Keep sending them in. I love answering them. It's always a good time and it allows me to, you know, broach some different topics that maybe I wouldn't have broached otherwise. So keep sending them questions in. I appreciate it. So let's look ahead at what is to come for this Nuggets team. And I think it's important because there's basically two sections of the schedule that are coming up. The Nuggets now, after beating the Memphis Grizzlies, are going to come home to take on the Houston Rockets to begin a four-game homestand. They'll be taking on the Rockets, then the Celtics, then the Suns, and then the Wizards at home. So... When I look to project the win-loss for these for these four games, I think that the Nuggets will beat one of Houston or one of Boston. I think they lose to the other one. I think the Nuggets beat Houston because they're coming off of a very strong game in which everybody's happy and they're feeling themselves again. I think they get a win against the Rockets, a big statement win, and then they'll turn around and lose to the Celtics. That's what I think will happen. It could be reversed. They could lose both games, but I do think they lose at least one of those games, and then we'll and then we'll end up beating the Suns and beating the Wizards after that and going 3-1 and one on that four-game homestand, which would then bring them to, what would that be, 12-4 and four on the season, which would be a great record. They have to get three wins in this four-game stretch, though, because after that four-game stretch, they then play five of their six games on the road. They play at Sacramento, come back to Denver for a game against the Lakers, then it's at the Knicks, at the Celtics, at the Nets, at the 76ers. That is a hellishly tough stretch outside of the Knicks game and maybe the Kings game, but even then, the Kings are not a team that's terrible, and the Knicks, well, the Knicks are terrible. I take that back. Um, But beyond that, the Nuggets might lose four of those six games. That's a really tough stretch. So grabbing three wins on that four-game homestand is going to be paramount.
Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for leaving five-star reviews. Thank you for leaving comments. Thank you for having people subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for the retweets and the likes. Thank you for sending in questions. Just thank you for the interaction. I have so much fun doing this podcast, and it's all because I get to do it for the fans of this team and being able to contribute to this conversation. So without the listeners of the show, I don't have a job. So thank you guys very, very much. Thank you to Untuck It. Thank you to Tear Up and Care Station. Thank you to the Regulators Production Group. This is been the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from Mile High Sports, and that is it from me. Have a great rest of your day.